Welcome to The Way Church. We're glad you're joining us for today's message. For sermon notes, service times, and more information, check us out online at thewaychurchva.com. Now let's join Pastor Matt Rothy with this week's message. Our sermon lesson this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often known as the love chapter. I want to invite you to open up your Bibles, devices, or your bulletin to page 9, where 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is printed in its entirety. Is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is a lovely section of scripture, pun intended. This section of scripture, which which beautifully, movingly conveys the nature of love, it's just lovely. I mean, it's poetic, yet clear. It's simple, yet profound. It's moving, yet it's practical. This is a very lovely section of scripture, is it not? Now, here's a quick poll about this section of scripture. How many of you have ever heard it read at a wedding before? Or how many of you chose to have it read at your wedding? How many of you have ever seen this 
passage, quoted in a wedding card, or maybe you've read about 1 Corinthians in some other form of literature, a book or whatnot, about marriage or weddings. How many of you thought this section of scripture was about marriage or weddings? Well, this Sunday I want to let you in on a little secret. 1 Corinthians 13 is not about weddings, and it's not about marriage. I mean, for just context sake, let's start there. 1 Corinthians comes directly in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. So far, not huge truths, right? But let's talk about these chapters. 1 Corinthians 12 is all about spiritual gifts, how every single one of you, let me say that again, how every single one of you has at least one spiritual gift, a gift, a talent, an ability that the Holy Spirit blesses when the Holy Spirit calls you to faith. 1 Corinthians 13, excuse me, 12, is all about these gifts and how these gifts, they're not really yours. They're for others. They're, they're for others and for you to build up the body of Christ as you serve others. They're for others and from God. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 12 ends with this verse. It says, now, after talking about all these different gifts and how you use them to serve others, it says, now, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then it launches into the chapter that we just read, which we'll get to in a moment. But then 1 Corinthians 14 comes, which is all about worship. And how in worship, when something is said or spoken or read, it shouldn't be for the sake of the speaker. It should be for the sake of others and building them up, edifying them, blessing other people. You catch a theme here? So what's 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about? Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is not about love within a marriage, although it is, it affects that. 1 Corinthians 13 is not merely about love within marriage. It's about the love within all of a Christian's life. What 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is about is about love given freely in every aspect of your life as a Christian because love has been received freely by your Savior given from your Savior, received by you. And so you give it out freely to everyone. And this is what love is. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to set 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in context. And not just to give it context so you can tell all your friends that this has nothing to do with weddings or with marriage, although it does. What we're going to do is set 1 Corinthians chapter 13 in context. So more importantly... Love is set in context. Love is, is set in its proper context in the way that God wants us to see love and, and know love and show love. We're going to see love in a new way, and not new as in, oh, I've never heard that before, but love in a new way as in the most excellent way, the most excellent way to show what love is. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at four different aspects of this love. The prerequisite of love, the promise of love, the power of love, and the possibility 
of love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll start with the prerequisite of love, and I wanted to call this section like the necessity or the need, but you saw my theme of peace, so I have to go with prerequisite of love. Now, before we get into why love is a must, why it's a need, we should probably talk about what love is and is not biblically. The love that's being described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a love that has nothing to do with the beloved. It has everything to do with the lover. It has nothing to do with how or who is being loved, but everything to do with a decision on the part of the loving one to love. It's love that is without condition. It's this kind of love that scripture calls agape love. Scripture actually talks about four different kinds of love, or or really there's four different Greek words that help us kind of contextualize love. Scripture talks about storge love, which is love between family members. Most often you see this love between a child and a parent. A parent shows this love to a child. and, And while it's a really serious love, it's not the same love that a child shows back to a parent. It's storge love. It's, it's familial love. But then you have phileo, or brotherly love, or love of friendships. Phileo, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's, it's the kind of love that friends show. And then you have eros. That's the kind of love that romantic partners show. Husbands and wives show each other. That's where we see it enjoyed in God's context. We see eros love, a intimate love that husbands and wives enjoy. But then there's this fourth category. It's agape love. It's the love that we're talking about in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love that that Christ shows by loving us, by dying for us, even though there was nothing in us that was lovable. It was a decision on the part of Christ to come down from heaven to be with us, even when we didn't deserve it. That's the kind of love we're talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're talking about agape love. So now what does this love look like in your life? Well, you heard it. Love is patient. Love is kind. That means you don't get annoyed or aggravated with your kids or with your coworkers or friends who act like children. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, it doesn't boast, it is not proud. That means that you don't boast or brag when you win, and you don't sulk and attract attention to yourself when you lose. But instead, you celebrate and you serve everyone, even people who are below you. But actually, you don't consider anyone to be below you because love isn't envious, love isn't proud. No, love considers all does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Let's say it positively. Love honors others. Love is selfless. That means that this love is a love that we show to everyone. We don't just honor the people that are in our church or in our club or our political party or have the same moral values that we do. No, Love honors all. Love seeks to serve everyone. Love 
keeps no records of wrongs. Husbands, wives, this is what love does. Everyone got grudges? Love lets them go. Love keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, vile, nasty things. No, love is obsessed with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. This is a love that doesn't just stand back and go, yeah, yeah, I think I love you, and then does nothing about it. No, this is love, an emotion that spurs you on to actions, to protect, to always persevere, endure, and fight for the beloved. This is how scripture describes love, as love that never fails. So you got the picture of what love is and love is not, right? So now can we talk about the prerequisite of this love and why it is that, well, it's a prerequisite. That means something has to happen. You have to have this love for something else to happen. What is that prerequisite? What is the need? What is the must? Well, Jesus told us in the lesson we read, Jesus, in his own words, the night before he died for the sins of the world, says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple. If you love one another. The prerequisite of love means that in order to be a disciple of Christ, a follower of Christ, a Christian, you must love like this. It isn't just Jesus who said it. His apostle, the disciple whom he loved, in 1 John said this, whoever does not love does not know God. You don't know God. You can't pretend you know God and his son Jesus if you don't love because God is love. A few verses later, whoever claims to love God but hates a brother or sister is a liar. In other words, you can't say, oh, well, I, I know that I should love, but some people are hard to love. You're lying to yourself. Yeah, I love Jesus. I, I really value my faith, but those people are not necessarily people we should love. You can't pretend that you have love for God and you know God and yet carry grudges, be impatient and, and be easily angered and be like, ah, oh, those aren't virtues I have. You're lying to yourself. If you think that you can follow in Christ's footsteps and yet not love, Oh, it gets even more sobering when we read through what we read in 1 Corinthians 13. If you speak in tongues, if you have all sorts of gifts and you use them well, but you don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You have nothing. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love... I am nothing. Not only do you have nothing, you are nothing. If you trot out your faith and you love Jesus and your faith is your number one value, but you don't love. You're nothing. What's more, if, if you give all your possessions to the 
poor and you're really, really proud of how generous you are, but you're a professional at holding grudges, you gain nothing. You have nothing, you are nothing, you gain nothing if you do not have a love like this. That's something that, whew, we need to live with. You need to live with. I need to live with. But we don't like to live with that. So you know what we do? We, we downplay love. I know love is the most excellent way, but who can do that all the time anyways? We redefine love. We say, well, this is, this is just my way of showing love. Love is, is not a subjective opinion. Look at how God's word describes it. This is love. It's objectively defined in, in these ways. We downplay it. We redefine it. Or we act like other gifts are greater. We say, you know, I'm really hardworking. I, I just don't have that much time to show love to, you know, people. I get stuff done, though. No. No. Maybe we just despair of love. It's not possible anyways. No one's ever showed me that kind of love. Can't even exist, can it? We downplay it, we water it down, we redefine it, we act like other things are better. But you see what you're doing throughout all of this is what we do is well, we're distancing ourselves of, from what love is. I had you raise your hand <laughs> if you thought love, this chapter was about marriage. Everyone did. I read this chapter at a lot of weddings. Can I tell you what I do when I when I get to preach on this chapter or get to read it at people's weddings, one of my favorite things to do is to rattle off the checklist, the checklist of 16 different aspects of love and 16 different very specific pictures of what love is. Love is patient, love is kind, all the way to the very end. Love never fails. Can I tell you one of my favorite things to do at weddings then? As I'm preaching and I'm standing before the bride and the groom, I love to look at the groom who's already, you know, standing up in front of people and a little nervous. And I love to put him on the spot and say, hey, groom, did, did you hear that list? Did you hear that list of, of all of the ways that you must love your bride? And I ask him a specific question. I say, you think you can do that? Put him on the spot and inevitably he shakes his head. I don't think so. But that's the point. Love never fails. People love to trot out that idea, but guess what? Your love fails all the time. My love fails all of the time. If we try to love powered on our own gas, we're going to come up empty every single time. And if you look at marriages or you look at all of your life where you try to love, well, all of our lives would be one sad ending of love stories. Were it not for the promise of love. Jesus said this, a new command I give you. Yeah, he gave a command, but did you see what he did? He based it on a promise. The promise of his love. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. How? As I loved you. 
Do you want to know what love is? Do you really want to see what love is and understand it? Look no further than this. On Monday, Thursday, he promised his love. On Good Friday, Jesus died for this love. On Easter, he gave proof of his love. Look on every page of scripture and Jesus promises to you that this is the kind of love he is going to show you 100% of the time. Let's do it this way. Let's read 1 Corinthians again, but this time instead of love, agape love, let's put in Jesus, Jesus' name. God is love. So here's how it reads. Jesus is patient. Jesus is kind. Jesus is patient with you and me even when we act like spoiled, rotten, entitled children because you are his children. He's always patient. He's always kind. Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't boast. He isn't proud. You don't have a God who watches you and waits for you to mess up and then say, ah, I told you so. No, you have a God who isn't proud. You have a God who sat on the throne and yet humbled himself, taking on the very form of a servant. And he suffered a humiliating death of crucifixion. But then, when he rose victorious and received the crown and the glory that were due his from his father for everything that he accomplished, you know what he did? He didn't take the honor for himself. He honored others. He wasn't interested in the self-glorification that came out of that. He did it all for your glory, to put the crown of righteousness on your head. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. Even today, when you and I sin, knowing that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins, he doesn't get mad. He takes the slate that he's already wiped clean, and he wipes it clean again and says, I love you. You are forgiven. He doesn't delight in things that are evil. He doesn't delight in condemnation. No, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who know his love. Love rejoices in this truth. Love protects. Jesus didn't just stand in heaven and be like, yeah, I love you. See if you can make it on your own way. No, love moved him into action to protect us from sin and death and the devil. Love trusts that his father was going to raise him from the dead. Love always hopes in the eternal glory of his people. Love always perseveres. Your Savior is always fighting after you, coming after you to give you his love. Love never fails. This is how scripture shows us what love is. This is the love that Jesus promises to give you all the days of your life. And it's for that reason, because we have received freely this love, or we can give it out. We can even dare to talk about this kind of love. And that's why we need to talk about the power of this love. See, were it not for Christ's death and glorious resurrection, his victorious resurrection on Easter, we couldn't dare talk about showing this kind of love. But now, you and I have the power to love like this. Jesus said this, a new command I give you, Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another with my agape love. 
That'd be hard to do. That'd be hard to do on our own. But in this promise, Jesus not only gives us a model of love, he gives us the power to love. In this promise, he, he not only lays out the foundation of what looks, it, love looks like, he fuels us to love one another. Can I give you an example of this? Maybe a, a worldly illustration? Think about someone you love dearly. Someone you love dearly and you love them because they gave you a gift. And, and not just like a gift like wrapped up in a box. They gave you a gift that keeps on giving. They, they taught you something that you love. They gave you a skill or, or a life lesson. You know, maybe it's the math teacher that took extra time and patience and care with you to help you get algebra. And in doing so, they didn't just help you get done with your homework. They opened up the whole world of math to you. You know, maybe it's a, it's a grandparent. Grandma taught you how to bake. Grandpa taught you how to fish. Maybe it's a coach who didn't get angry or yell at you, but, you know, was patient and, and taught you how to shoot free throws. You know, maybe it's a parent who now looking back, you realize they just, they gave you so much and they did it so selflessly. You think about that person and, and the gift that they gave you, the gift of love, really, not just baking or shooting free throws. You love them, don't you? You love them for that. And why do you love them? Is it because they commanded you to love them? No, you, you love them because they loved you. Their love moved you to love and probably even love others with that same gift, in that same kind of way. In a similar way, similar, it's like that with Jesus. Jesus is indeed the model of love. He's loved us and given us that example, but he doesn't stop there. That's where every human love is, is just an illustration and it's just similar. No, he goes one step further. He doesn't just give you the model for love. He gives you the fuel and the power for love because a few verses, a few sentences after Jesus spoke this, he spoke one more promise. He said, I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you my spirit who is called the helper, who is called the advocate, who is called the guide. He is going to be in you and because he's going to be in you, you, you're going to understand my love and you are going to have my power to show love. This is why we can even dare to talk about loving like this. It's because he has not only forgiven us for all the times we've failed to meet the prerequisite of his love. No, he, he gives us the power to love. He's promised that he will always love. And that's why you and I can talk about the possibility of this love. We spent a lot of time defining this love at the beginning of this sermon. We had to do that because even if you're familiar with 1 Corinthians 13, when the rubber hits our road and we go and we try to live in love, well, this world tells us there's so many different ways our love should be. Or maybe there's a limit on how far our love should go. There's conditions we should set. And personally, naturally, intrinsically, that's how human beings are. There's this, this really selfishness about love. And what that can lead us to do is look at 
1 Corinthians 13, hear this really beautiful poetic section of scripture read and think, yeah, no, that's nice. It's cute. Sounds good on wedding days. It's not possible. Not in my life at this point. Not in this relationship at this stage. We can think, yeah, it's not really possible to, to show love that way. Or even worse, we can think, I put myself there, put myself out there. I haven't received love like that. It doesn't exist. Why try? But you see, the prerequisite is met in the person of Jesus Christ who promised love for you unendingly. And now he lives in you through his spirit and powers you to love. No, this love is not some hope in the worldly sense. It is not some maybe thing in the way we talk about other things being possibility. No, this love is a reality. Imagine that. Imagine that. Imagine the power of Christ in you, the promises held in your heart and in your mind as you love this way. Imagine what this love, the possibility of this love would do for you as a parent with your children. Imagine what this love would look like in that relationship that you have treated conditionally. Well, they don't bring anything to it. I'm not going to call them if they don't call me. Imagine the possibility of this love there. Imagine the possibility of this love in this church in this community, in your small group. It's real. Because Jesus' promise of this love is real. Imagine this love in that relationship or with that person who has hurt you, maybe personally, maybe permanently. This love, it's possible. Because Jesus has promised this love. He's given you the power of this love. This is the most excellent way love shows itself. And that's it. There's just one verse we haven't talked about. It's the bridge verse between chapter 12 and chapter 13. In fact, if you look at your Bibles, a lot of Bibles will bump it down and move it into chapter 13 because it fits there. The Apostle Paul says, now I will show you the most excellent way. And what's he talking about? He's talking about this most excellent way that that love lives in the lives of Christians, not just in marriages, but 1 Corinthians 13 is about the love given freely because of love received freely everywhere we go. He says, this is the most excellent way. Yeah, I was reading through 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, and whenever it talks about like this way, this way being the most excellent way. Well, I can't help but think of The Mandalorian. Have you, have you seen the show before? If you've seen any of the show, it's not long before you catch on to another tagline in another part of the Star Wars saga. What Mandalor- If you're not familiar with the story, here, here's the background. Mandalorian are like warriors. They're from the planet of Mandalore, and they have this kind of stoic creed they follow, where they keep their body armor on and their helmets on wherever they go. And what 
you see throughout the season is every time something happens where another Mandalorian interacts with another Mandalorian, whether good or bad, they look at each other and they say, this is the way. In like this really cool, stoic sense. Like, this is it. This is how we do things. This is the way. And for obvious reasons, people here at this church think that's pretty cool. But what I'm proposing is not that we as a church start saying that to one another. So much as I'm proposing this, what if instead of a fictional group of people who adopt this ancient creed and talk about this is the way, what about this very real ancient tradition of the Christian creed that follows in the way of their Savior, who loved like this, who said, this is the way. This is the way to love. And as impossible as it seems, I give you the power to love like this. And as crazy as that seems, I promise you, I promise you that I will always love you like this so that you might love others. You must love others. It's possible because Jesus loves you. And may God bless you as you show that love to others. Amen.